The bells rung, and welcome to another edition of the Icon Showdown podcast. I'm your trusty host, Enan Hennigan, and with me today is the ever-popular Scott Allen. How are we doing today, Scott? Uh, I think I'm doing okay. Yeah, I'm good. Standing. That's what I like to hear. So as we do on the Icon Showdown podcast for this specific month, we are taking mainstream horrors from each year and pitting them head-to-head. Tonight's is the year 2000, where we are putting Final Destination versus American Psycho. Did you see either of these in the theater, Scott? Uh, no, actually, I didn't see either of them in the theater. Well, you know what? I might have seen Final Destination, but um, no, I don't know. Fair enough. I think I saw them both in the theater. I was. This is a period... It was my what senior year in high school? I was I was fiending for them movies. I go all the time, see them all, see them all super fresh. And interestingly, we have two horror films that came out in the winter of 2000. So um, as it stands, it does look like American Psycho was released that January of 2000. So let's break it down in terms of our criteria as we do. Uh, we break down the antagonist, the ensemble, the surviving characters, the setting, the deeper meanings, and the fright factor. So from the get go, who is our big bad? In American Psycho, Scott. Uh, it's got to be Patrick Bateman. Patrick Bateman. What do you think about that name? Does that name like immediately scare you? Um, yeah, it's pretty much just Norman Bates. There is that allusion to it, and there is some. Oh, you know what? I, I hadn't thought about that with Bates, but ultimately he does bait people in, um, and then kill them, especially like he does with Jared Leto's character, and frankly, it's also of his characters. Uh, Bateman, uh, Bate, and Norman. Norman. Man, bait. Oh, that's a good point. Um, and there's also, I mean, his acts are somewhat masturbatory, too. So it kind of has that, like, I don't know, connection a little bit. What did you think about his motivation? Why does he kill? Um, I think it's just to feel something, mostly. That's exactly yeah. what I put. Yeah. Is it yeah. desire to feel something, to feel alive? Um, do you think anything deeper is going on there? As far as his character, or as far as what the director is yeah, trying to say, yeah, his motivations. What is he? What is? What does he enjoy about killing? Uh, I, I think he just his whole life has kind of been handed to him. He doesn't really have to do anything. He doesn't really have any complications. Really, he doesn't even have to work. I don't think he did one bit of work in the whole movie. Um, he just sort of gets paid to look pretty, take care of himself. And hey, he designing just, one's card is that's hard work though. Your business yeah, card mm-hmm. that's that takes serious brain power. Um, you know what? I'm. Tr- I was trying to determine if it, do you, I think he does have some sort of sexual gratification from killing. Didn't you see that at all? Um, yeah. I mean, I read the book, so I kind of I, I do tend to get the two confused. But there's definitely some sexual gratification with his uh, little morbid acts. Yeah. Anytime you want to bring up um, comparisons, definitely do so. But as I was doing some notes here, I was wondering: Is he actually gay and trying to convince himself that he is hetero? Is this about repressed sexuality? And like a metaphoric like onslaught of people is, is a way to keep himself feeling masculine and stereotypical hetero. No, I don't, I don't see any nothing of that. like that I mean, going on. If he was trying to, if he was going to try to do anything homosexual, I think it would be mostly for a shock value to be like, okay, all right, I can be gay. This is I'm sexy enough. I can I can pull this off. So you think he's more like hyper hetero, like the ultimate, like just bra that takes it to the the worst extent like frat boy on roid sort of extremes yeah i think he's just so into himself that he would do whatever he wanted to do at that moment um okay in terms of his aesthetic what did you think about the way they make our villain look um great man i mean he spent what 10 10 minutes maybe five minutes just on his 
application of lotions and waxes That's in the morning. True. Like, he he takes great detail in what what his appearance is. So uh, they did a good job. I mean, he was fit for that too. They showed a uh, you know him in his underwear doing stretches and he was fit. Yeah, you, you got to give it to Christian Bale. This guy is willing to put on the pounds and then get emaciated like he does for the for the machinist or get fit like he does for this one. Um, and then you have like just the stereotypical '80s white collar businessman thing happening here. Slick, fake, phony, glossy. Big old, uh, does he have a, a, a whatchamacallit, a cellular phone? Like one of those big clunky Zach Morris ones? Yeah, yeah, he, he definitely had one. Yeah, and he's preoccupied like with his fitness, which, I don't know. It, there was so much overt sexualization in it, that's what made me kind of wonder earlier. What's going on there? Why is he always watching porn or doing these lewd acts with multiple prostitutes at once? Um, just like the fake surface that he's trying to actually let the real him bubble up but i don't know that, that it might it probably isn't sexuality and it's probably just his mental health at stake there um what do you think about his voice because bale is known for really kind of mixing up his voice in his movies what do you think he did with this one uh i mean i didn't notice anything uh, special about it i mean this was before right. i knew he was uh he's british right uk is yeah that what he is yeah i mean a great american accent uh if anything maybe uh, just a little a little monotone fair um yeah i could see that uh, to me he's like kind of like a boring game show host it's not like super expressive but there's still like an artifice to it and a smarminess to it but i think you're right it does kind of like find this weird balance between like monotone smarm thing going on just like once again uh emphasizing just his fakeness and his phoniness he doesn't even know who he actually really is yeah. um originality I i'm sorry did you want to speak to that no do you think it's an original character? Having read, did you read the book prior to or after seeing the movie? Uh, I saw it. Uh, I read it after I saw the movie. Okay. Um, do you feel like, as a whole, this is an original character? Have we seen anything like him before as a antagonist? No, I, I don't think so. It. Uh, I think it was one of the first times I've seen because he is the main character he, and he's the villain, um, which I think was was unique. Because usually you want to have you know the the hero in there, but he True. was kind of both in a way. Um, but yeah, you pretty much just have a serial killer, a slasher slasher movie where, you know, the guy's just, just a pretty good-looking dude that kind of gets away with everything. Yeah, I mean, the ultimate anti-hero. Um, interestingly, I kind of saw this, like, this movie, or probably the book is similar to this. It felt like, uh, you know how Trump's book is the art of the deal. This was like the art of the kill, you know what I mean? Not um, I feel like he could have killed a person on Fifth Avenue and gotten away with it. And he kind of sort of have does, uh, yeah, I think he theoretically, does. depending on how you interpret the ending. Um, but I do think that his specific bloodlust and his execution of it um, and the way that we see his sanity uh, disassemble is unique and chilling. I, I really like this character um, as a whole. Oh, yeah. I loved it. It um, might be so my top five favorite movie. Wow. Okay. So we have a, we have a front runner already. Um, let's pop then over to Final Destination, which was uh, certainly a bigger moneymaker that year. Um, what, who's our big bad in this one? Uh, I think f just fate. I get, you, can, you can say uh, uh, the Grim Reaper. But Do you yeah. think it's okay? Because I think those two are different. Fate and the Grim Reaper are two different entities. Um, and frankly, fate is almost, to me, if you, if you want to pigeon it as that, that's like scarier to me than the Grim Reaper. Yeah, I would do. I mean, they, it's I would do fate, but it, it's also a little more than that. Just because, I mean, you know, you have like water in the in the first scene changing direction. I mean, that's not fate. That's 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 something a little bit more okay. uh, supernatural Directed for fate. sure. 
Yeah. yeah. Um, and ultimately, how can it be fate if they are able to even subvert it for a little bit? So I don't know. I kind of I like the idea of fate, but given that they are able to kind of escape it, even temporarily, I do feel like maybe this Grim, Grim Reaper dropped the ball sort of thing. This guy has these premonitions that enables him to um, dodge the Grim Reaper. Yeah, but yeah, right. you could kind of look at it as a combination of both. What What is his motivation or its motivation? Uh, maybe not to get fired. Maybe it was like Grim's, <laughs> Grim Reaper's job to like kill all these people and he failed at it. And he's like, oh man, uh-oh, oops. I got to fix this real quick without anyone does, knowing. The Grim Reaper work for God or the devil? Oh, I'm sure the devil, right? Isn't that the... Really? But you got to... I mean, would God want us to go on forever? If there's no, a God? I always thought something? it was. I, think it was, I always thought it was like God gives life, the devil kind of gets to take it away. I always kind of oh. thought of it that way. So he's like, all right, you know what? Yeah, this person can be alive. They have like a little deal up there. Be like, all right, you want this person to live? I'll give him 40 years. Fine. But after 40, he's mine. Okay. Yeah, like I might 80. be on board with you there, especially given the way that they go. It's so horrific, right? Nobody's just having a heart attack in this movie. Yeah, um, what gruesome. about the way that we see it manifested? I guess we don't really have um, an actual corporeal entity at all. Does it ever take any sort of form? Uh, no. I think at the most you might see a shadow or uh, kind of like a, like a fuzzy effect kind of in the side or like in the background. But it's never anything uh, you know, Nothing corporeal solid. ever. It can just manipulate its surroundings, right? Yeah. Um, but frankly, I think that invisible invisibility makes it more scary, right? If we did have <laughs> just the first thing that comes to mind is the Bill and Ted's bogus journey, Grim Reaper. I mean, if you see something like this, I feel like it takes away from the scare factor. Yeah, I believe when they were first either writing it or starting to shoot it, they wanted to actually have a more solid, uh, really, uh, uh, yeah, enemy in the background. But they, I think they took it out, which is probably for for good because yeah, I think so. Yeah, it was actually um, a really good movie. It was kind of a, a, a definitely a step up than what I was expecting. Oh, it's a great movie. It's yeah, I would say it's a staple in the genre if you ask me. Um, certainly, we don't have any like voice no vocalization you mentioned we see a shadow of it but does that shadow have any sort of like uh sound design with it <laughs> i don't i don't think so i mean there might have been i didn't i didn't notice um yeah i didn't notice either yeah um and then finally in terms of originality what do you think oh it's up there definitely uh it's up there i mean i, I never because you know, first off yeah it's a horror movie but you don't have a killer you know yeah um and then you have because the movie was great to watch you know, because you're kind of like everything they do. There's oh man, he's gonna die from this. He's gonna die from this. He's gonna die from this, and that was right. the, the the fun part of it. It was like its own because it could be anything. It could be anything. It could be a fire. It could be a water. It could be anything. And so you're casting yeah. on edge. That's a good point. Like all of your surroundings become like a liability to like your life as a whole. Um, I do. I completely agree with you. I think it's super original as well. Um, so if we're talking about given each of these Bateman versus the Grim Reaper pentagrams. What are you thinking? Let's let's Patrick Bateman first. Uh, I mean, I, I want to give it a four. I'm giving it a four too. I'm right there with you. Right. Um, and then finally, death. Uh, I, I'd say four again, to be honest. I Maybe feel three point like five if you're dragging. I do think it's three point five, only because you do have like examples like Meet Joe Black, death living among people sort of thing. I don't know. It's certainly not in the same genre, but you've seen. The character of the Grim Reaper or Death manifested before. This does it in a unique yeah. way, but I yeah. feel like it's still at 3.5. It takes a great concept, um, just like a trope within horror, and does something fresh with it. But I did a great job. But I still think Patrick Bateman is something we had never seen before, where we have seen Death on screen before. Um, so, 4 versus 3.5, moving into the ensemble of American Psycho. 
Uh, what do you think in terms of character development? Which characters did you find the most intriguing or the least? Um, and it must have to do with the whole point of the movie, but really most of the characters didn't have any sort of progression, and that was kind of the point. Um, I think the most might have, oh man, might have been, was it Chloe? How do you say her last name? Sevigny, yeah. Sevigny. She was just the only, I say, halfway decent character aside from uh, Willem Dafoe's character, but both mm-hmm. of them have small parts. Because um, they're the only two characters that really humanize him, right? Yeah. And ultimately, they're the only two characters that come from a different class bracket as well. I, I agree with you. Those are the two that have the most uh, beyond him. And then the ones that we see in his world are all these like shallow vessels of like his perspective. Like He doesn't really care about anyone that is as phony as he is, right? That is pretty much a mirror of himself, which I think is what they do with the cards thing. I mean, these cards look the same, don't they? Or am I crazy? Is, there, is, is those subtle differences, do they mean something? Does anyone with like a normal brain notice that? Oh, I mean, I noticed a, a, a little bit. Uh, okay. The, the slight texture in the cards. But yeah, it was all about the details. Where you would like uh, say one is actually better than the other because of a texture no. or something like no, that? I mean, they're absolutely comparable. 100%. Right. Yeah, there's yeah. one not. Yeah. Of the hollow characters, these Muppets in his life, was there any that you liked or, or found that, you know what, at least there's a little bit of backstory there, at least there's something going on? I mean, I kind of liked them all. They're all interesting in their own, in their own ways. Um, yeah. I, mean, I love Jared Leto. Paul um, Allen. Paul Allen was a good character. They all just, they're all just fun. They're, they're there to be just kind of fun, goofy characters. What was the, oh, man. Um, the guy who who lo- the, who'd love to do drugs. I'm trying to do drugs. That Timothy um, Bryce maybe. Oh yes, yes. I think that's Bill yeah. Sage as a uh, Dave Van Patten. I think that was Van Patten. Okay, yeah, that might be him. I liked his character. He was just great so character. Yeah, I feel like ev- even though they don't have backstories, you're right. They are all kind of unique in their own way. Um, in terms of his uh, girlfriend and mistress, did you feel like they were given their dues? Courtney versus Evelyn. Yeah. Re- I liked I liked Evelyn. Reese did a good job, but again, it was kind yeah. of one sided. Um, you know, I'm just I think I, 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 I doubt they ever had sex. You know, mm-hmm. they were just boyfriend and girlfriend, and they were both rich and they're planning their future and how great it's going to be. Well, she was having an affair with one of his buddies, right? I think yeah. was it Justin Thoreau's character? Maybe not. But we do no, have a young Bill Justin Sage, Thoreau. Right? David Van Patten, I think, was who she was. Oh, having sex was with. Van Patten? Okay. Yeah. Um, and I did like that at least Samantha Mattis's character, Courtney Ralston. Um, did have the drug problem and was with like the ineffectual sort of like feminine dude who ultimately ends up trying to hit on Christian Bale as he's about to kill him, which kind of destroys. That's I don't know. It kind of actually points back to is he really gay? Why didn't he end up killing him then? You know, um, I don't know. But you're right. Willem Dafoe is the detective and Chloe Sevigny are, are the richest. Um, did, was there any bad actors in it? No, I mean, aside from one of the prostitutes. Um, uh, which one? Because I like the, the I like the ugly one that he brings back. Not ugly, but the less attractive one compared to the, the more blonde? stereotypical. She the uh, one that that, that, she, that he ended up killing with the chainsaw. With the chainsaw. I thought she yeah. was a good actress. Did you know? Oh, I didn't know. She she bought she bothered me. She bothered you. See, I thought she did like some subtle, interesting things. Um, and I also liked his, his friend from college. That wasn't the director, was it? Was it? I, could, I heard a rumor that the director was in it. And she like her own little cameo, but I could be wrong. What's her name? Oh, interesting. Um, yeah, yeah, Mary. Something I have to uh, Mary Heron? 
Yeah, Mary Heron. Maybe she was. Yeah. I think it's sort of rumor. Um, let me double check. She, they look fairly similar, so you can like definitely see that it would be a thing. Um, okay, so acting ability is pretty good across the board, with maybe that one exception on, on your part. Um, diversity, though, I mean, it kind of makes sense that there's well, yeah, none, it's all, right? Yeah, it's supposed to be all white Wall Street yuppies. So, right. Yeah, I mean, they did have the, the homeless guy who dies. He was in there for like two seconds. Oh, that's right. They do have the homeless guy. At least there's a, a person of color in there, but the way that they're portrayed, not ideal, I guess. Um, okay, let's pop back over to Final Destination, talk about that ensemble. What'd you think? Because we have oh, A-listers was... galore in American Psycho, and not so yeah. much in Final Dust. Uh, they had some decent names in there. I mean, they were. It was was it ninety? Yeah, two thousand. So Sean William Scott was a name for American Pie. Um, even, he's a uh, name. He's not an A-lister, though. You know, not an A-lister, but people like... know who he is. I mean, everyone's like, yeah. "Oh man, that's uh, yeah." What's the he's name my favorite that? by far. Um, I mean, Sean William Scott, I think, is the best actor of everyone in it. Yeah, and I, I always liked Devin Sawa, even though he didn't do anything super huge other than, was it Casper? Uh, Idle Hands? Is that him in Idle Hands? I did like Idle Hands. Yeah, he was in Idle Hands. And there's the uh, one guy from uh, Dawson's Creek. He was in there. Oh, yeah, Carter. Carter's yeah. character. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, again, yeah, I guess no A-listers, so they're, yeah. These are all, like, B. Yeah, uh, distractingly so for me. I mean, I, I really love the premise of this, and I think it's slick and glossy as a whole but I don't love Devin Sawa. I don't hate him. I think he's good for this role. I think he's not your stereotypical leading dude, and I like that about him. Uh, there's just times where I get a little, little distracted by his deliveries, and our leading lady is not my favorite. She was in a lot of stuff around this time and then went mm. on to Hero's fame. Do you like Allie Larder as a whole? Uh, uh, she, she didn't bother me. She is kind of annoying, though. She's, she, she does get in the annoying area for me as far as her yeah. acting goes. Yeah. yeah, she did do a lot for a while there. She did. You know, we just, just finished a House on Hunted Hill a couple of days ago, and it's the same character in that as she was in this. I don't, I don't see variants. I don't see her actually creating new personas. Um, in terms of the relationship dynamics, which, which relationships did you like the most? Um, I mean, you know, the one that had, I think, the most tension was, uh, was it Alex and Carter. But again, it was kind of overplayed. And, it was uh, Carter too, too Horton was so over, so over, overly doing this jock kind of bro, right? That it was, it did take me out of it. Um, but did I you guess, believe Ali Larder and Devin Sawa's romance? Uh, I mean, they they weren't winning any awards for nope. it, but I didn't yeah, see the chemistry yeah. personally. Yeah, I mean, it was they're more like friends. I didn't see like a, a sexual thing for some reason. It does lead to that though in the next one, doesn't it? Or wasn't there? There's yeah, no but I mean, it, it had nothing to do that? with the first one. I don't think. I think they hinted. Yeah, they were dating at the end, uh, okay. end of it. But during it, they were just running for their lives. All right. But yeah, right. I didn't see any. There was no like, oh, I love you, I gotta save you kind of thing. I like the broship. I wish that character wasn't the first one killed. Todd, um, his buddy, who he saves off the plane. Yeah, that um, was a pretty good one. I did like that. Uh, one. It was sad when he died. Or actually, Tony Todd is the actor. The name of the character was William. Yeah. William Bloodworth. Yeah. Um, can you explain to me how he died? Uh, he choked. He he, he slipped on the water. The wire? Oh, yeah, I know he slipped in the water and he fell in the bathtub, but what was it that wrapped around his neck that ultimately chokes him? What is that wire? I think that was supposed to be either for drying clothes in the bathroom. Oh, okay. or Yeah, I think that's what it was supposed to be because we have something similar to that, but it's in our laundry room. 
I see. That was confusing um, me. I'm like, is that like some sort of attachment for the shower head, or what the hell is that? I didn't. Yeah, I mean, it could have been maybe for the curtain, but that would be a really low curtain. Yeah, <laughs> uh, that does yeah. make sense. The dry clothes. Um, I'll buy that scene a little bit more now. I also like the uh, the teacher's relationship with him, thinking he's like super spooky and at some point like stalkery. That they kind of had a, a weird, interesting bond. Um, beyond that, uh, I wanted to see more from Sean William Scott. What really was his role? He's kind of just like this outsider, not even really I, friends with he anybody, right? He was just right? sort of the comedy relief. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think you're right about that. Um, but he was great. Was did anybody else stick out to you? What about what about the other girlfriend? What about Carter's girlfriend, Valerie? Um, no. Mediocre. Nothing notable, right? forgettable. I mean, the best Completely. part of it was uh, Candyman was in it for a very brief moment. Oh, that's right, as the mortician. Yeah. He bites the dust too, right? Uh, no, no, he's in. Yeah, I think he's in all of them. He's in all of them. Okay, yeah. all right. The mortician that is aware that death is around there lurking, and you can't escape. There's no yeah, escape. Yeah. Um, anyway, isn't Tony what? Todd? Isn't he? Isn't he the Candyman? Or am I thinking of somebody else? Um, 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 let me see here. Yeah, Tony Todd's the the Candyman. That's yeah. Oh, okay. That's William Bloodworth. What is the name of the friend then? Todd Todd is uh, the name of the friend. I know I was getting confused. I was looking at the names there. So Chad Danella plays Todd Wagner, and he's the buddy. So then you got Tony Todd, the actor, as uh, the mortician. Um, So acting, not quite standing up to American Psychos. Again, we don't have any diversity. Let's go ahead and rate these puppies in terms of their ensembles. What are we giving uh, AP, American Psycho? Uh, I I loved it. I have to give it a four. Yeah, I'm with you. I don't think there's a, a weak link in the bunch. Um, final dust? Probably a two. Uh, yeah, I think that's fair. I think that's fair. All right, we have a strong front runner thus far. But let's pop back over to the surviving characters. Who lives at the end of American Psycho? Who's our final figure? Well, I mean, Patrick Bateman and some most of his friends, unless you, th- you know, think it was all in his head and then everyone survived. But, um... Good, good point. Um... Yeah, it is It is him, but frankly, you could argue that he's lost it so much that he's the only victim if it is all psychosis, and he's the only one that's dead. And you're right, everyone else then becomes a survivor, because he never actually kills Chloe, right? She gets away, Chloe Sevigny, his, his secretary? Yeah, yeah, he let her He let her go. He let her go, so he lets her go, and he lets the gay dude go, but anyone else... I mean, just for fun, plus I, I do believe this, I think he actually did kill people, um, so I'm, I'm, I'm going to say uh, those people did die, that he did kill. Uh, and uh, his friends and himself survived. That's what I want to say. I mean, I would prefer that be the case. Uh, yeah. I think it it's a little cheap to just say this was all a delusion for two hours, kind of like um, is an insult to the audience a little bit. What happens in the book? Uh, it's a very similar ending. Uh, the book's pretty uh, truthful to the... Uh, the movie's truthful to the book. It's, very, it's still very kind of ambiguous in the book, too. Okay. Is he suicidal? Is this? Is he trying to sabotage his own life because even if he no, didn't do all just, that and then he's admitting to murders that didn't happen i think he just it's almost like you know i want attention i want to do these things and he but no one's everyone's so self-involved that he, no one cares like you can kill somebody and people can be like no, i don't care what you're doing i have my own problems yeah yeah no i think that goes back to kind of the, the trump comparison this was an era where everyone is all coked up completely lack of empathy and like everybody around you so how do you even know you're a human being and that anyone loves you sort of thing um what about in terms of his iconic status as 
uh, a final figure or like just essentially a survivor at the end of a what I consider a horror movie. Uh, he's an icon. I mean, he people yeah. he has a, his own uh, Halloween costume, which is a suit and a, a see-through raincoat, and he's having an axe and he put blood on it. Everyone That's knows exactly who you are. If you have you know? your own Halloween costume, yeah, you're pretty iconic. I agree. Who else compares in terms of Wall Street corruption manifested as a serial killer? Sure, you got like Gordon Gecko in Wall Street, but he ain't killing people. He's iconic, but not in terms of horror. He could. He could absolutely kill people and get away with it. That's probably true. But I'm with you. I'm with you on that in terms of uh, iconic nature of his um, character. Uh, what about Final Destination surviving character? Who lives? Uh, Devin Sawa and uh, his uh, was it Ali Carter. Alex Larger? and Claire. Yeah, Claire, yeah. Claire Rivers. Yeah, those two uh, survived. Uh, they're uh, skipped in dust rotation. Um, and then it comes back around and it bites Carter at the end because it did seem like he was going to survive. Ultimately, our, our bully Jock, who... Yeah, he got, it with, he got it with the big sign at the end. They he does get it with, with the him. big sign. Oh, Did yeah. you buy that their uh, near-death experiences brought them together, even though the bully and, and or Carter and Sam didn't really like each other, or Alex, rather, I'm sorry? Did you buy that he'd be going on a vacation with them as a couple? No, no, it was kind of, it's a little goofy. Um, to be like, oh, we finally made it, we finally made it to France. Like, really? Yeah. No. He wanted to run you over with a car, probably. Exactly five scenes earlier or something so it was just thrown in there to let's give it a kind of a happy ending and then fuck them at the end right now which i liked you needed that last little swoop in um and in terms of determination to survive for a surviving character you got to give alex this more than maybe any other horror film this is somebody that wants to live and is straight up taking on death i feel like this is one of the uh, best aspects about it is the surviving character even with my problems with sawa's acting ability i just think his character um, it, it wants to live, and it's so visceral how much he wants to live that I, I yeah, I'm rooting, you can't help but root for him. Oh yeah, just that one scene where he's in the cabin and he had tied everything up, uh, taped the doors. <laughs> he was eating uh, a mushed meat can ham, whatever that is, which right. I actually I eat. I, I love it. It's Ugh. great. Uh, it's a great spread. Um, but yeah, it was great. And the, even the plastic spoon and it hitting his teeth, and you can hear it. Oh, great scene. Yeah, it, I mean, it's frankly, it's a great horror movie overall. Um, it, if you were to give it an iconic, um, the surviving characters, Allie and Devin, are they are they memorable? When you think back on the first Final ins- uh, Destination installment, do you remember them living and surviving? Yeah, I mean, I remember uh, Alex Browning and Claire Rivers, Devin yeah. and Allie's character. I got I got to give them that credit. Yeah, the rest of them, I, I do remember their faces, but I don't always remember how they died or right. you know, why they were there to begin with. But those two I did. Um, so let's give uh, American Psycho uh, pentagrams for surviving characters. Oh, four. Uh, don't you think just the idea of whether or not uh, anyone actually dies, there's no ding there, just the confusion you still think? Uh, in my mind, I know exactly what happened. <laughs> what? Well, what do you think? Oh, he definitely killed him, and no one just cares. No one gives a shit. And nobody cares. I he do got like away that. With it. All right, I'll go everyone, with four. Everyone is so, yeah. But yeah, I, I'm giving it a four for me. So what are we going to give um, Devin and Allie? Two point five or three? You gotta give it at least three. I almost yeah, want to give it a three point five because I do feel like he did want to live. When in terms of this, this is like one of the strongest okay, categories. Right. For yeah, I'd say three point five. He he went to the the extreme extent of surviving. Um, let's pop back over to the setting of American Psycho. Um, what, what did the mood do for you? Do you feel like the setting really added to the, to the whole? Oh yeah, down it's New York downtown, just uh, playing that pop eighties music. 
Oh, yeah. Yeah, the 80s music is amazing. The music really does help with the setting. Um, it's cold, sleek, the blacks and grays. It's always overcast. Is there any time where the sun is out at all? No, I don't think so. I don't uh, think yeah. so. Either. I mean, when he's in his apartment and the sun's glaring through the window, I think, okay. when he's exercising, right. that might be... When he's alone, uh, but anytime he's yeah. with anybody else at all, it's, oh, yeah, it's sad. very gray. Um, uh, yeah, I think that's interesting in itself. Uh, what about the utilization of space? Do you think that it really gave the flavor of New York? I think so. They shot a lot of stuff. I mean, they never really had scenes or like outside on the sidewalks packed like it is. Mm-hmm. Um, it was mostly in cars. Maybe in the club it was probably the busiest scenes. Oh yeah. A lot of it was shot in his uh, job, the high rise. Um, yeah, I think oh, the high rise is great. I think that's it, one it of worked. the stronger settings. His apartment yeah. really kind of speaks to his character. Um, I guess I felt like it didn't really do anything new with New York that I hadn't already seen before. So in terms of uniqueness, I might give it a little bit of a ding. Um, granted, that's going to be the case anytime you do uh, you, you film a movie in a city that's been used a bajillion times. Um, I mean, so what do we... Oh, actually, let's pop over to Final Destination before we consider how many pointages we're giving it. Um, Final Destination. So what do we have here? We're again in New York, but we're in suburban New York. How did you feel like the setting added to the movie? Mm, I mean, I don't really think of the setting when I think of this movie. But the setting Um, is the killer, pretty much. That's why I give it a little more credit. Yeah, I mean, the best part of this movie was the beginning... And them on the plane, right? And just what's going to happen? That for me was the best part. Uh, as far as the rest of it goes, it all just seems—it seems like a, a, a normal horror movie setting. Um, yeah, the suburban, the suburban New York—that's yeah. cliche. Nothing I, super I mean, exciting I mean, there. How they set it up, I guess, would, would right. give it the extra points. Like, because you the are me- scared for almost everything that you see, exactly. and they point at almost everything, being, "Oh, this is going to kill him. This is going to kill him." So that I would give it high, high points for. Right. It's like a game of mousetrap in real life, sort of thing. Anything could yeah. end up an instrument of death. I mean, I guess you have to see it. the setting in that way as the the bad guy. So I guess almost totally. the, the setting is its own thing. As someone that was the age of these characters in 2000, did you feel like it captured the essence of 2000 in terms of the setting? Uh, yeah. I mean, I didn't. They seemed I like teenagers. So. I seemed like yeah, we could have hung out with all of them, and they seemed yeah. somewhat like real people. Yeah, no, I felt like that was actually effective. And, of course, it was nice to see a little bit of Paris at the end, even though it was probably um, a studio yeah, set. It, weren't they at Paris at the end? Yeah, they were, but I doubt it but was. But they weren't. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. It could have been. Who knows? I mean, you know. You never know. Okay, American Psycho setting. I mean, it's, for me, it's going to be no higher than a three. If you really want to pump it up to a three, I almost feel like that I mean, I'm going to give it. I want to give it a 3.5 just because of the music alone. Just because of what alone? Oh, his apartment? The music. Oh, the music, yeah. The music is part of the setting for sure. But for me, the music might even add more to the fright factor because it's so uh, contrasting what you would expect from the music that he plays, you know? But the setting is a big part. I'm, I'm sorry, the music within his apartment that's played does really add to the setting. I see what you're saying there. I mean, I'll do a 3.5, but I feel like that's 0.52 generous, if I'm honest with you. Because I would apply um, more of the I mean, music I, to the fright I, I still, It's still going to win, so you can give it a three. <laughs> <laughs> All right, nice. All right, we'll give that one a three. What do we give in the setting for Final Destination? Um, I give it a three, too. I do, t- I do if too. If you want to give it a 3.5, just it is because alive. it's such a unique, I'd give it a 
I think it, it would have been better if it wasn't if it wasn't a like a, a more unique town than it was. You know what I mean? I yeah. love that the setting is essentially a character, but at the same time, I wasn't seeing any like new spaces. Nothing was uh, new eye candy for me. I mean, um, except for the airport at the beginning, you don't see that sort of a, a waiting area in the airport as much. Um, okay, let's pop over to deeper meanings. What the hell is the deeper meaning of American Psycho? I really think it's just about yeah being in the 80s in new york making a lot of money only giving a shit about yourself just doing coke yeah and right it's all about you man narcissism um, i mean you can the premier saying you could have got away with murder and confessed to it and no one cared right i mean no one cared ultimately trump was this guy's age it, it could be the trump story in a lot of ways from what i'm seeing here and the funny part um, is is odd it, it, it can all make sense too uh because you know the the big mind thing was it could have been uh was it the detective said um you know he said you were with paul allen and you for the throughout the whole movie everyone was confusing who everyone else was anyway oh, that's right the you know lack I mean? of um ultimately your own person a lack of uh personality pretty much and individuality that's the word yeah. i was looking for there um, everyone, they are everyone like kind of the same person and they were all confused for other people so it, yeah it was real someone just saw somebody else that looked just like you thought it was you didn't even care who it was but boom now you can get away with murder do you think it's trying to say anything about um like over or desensitization of violence based on granted this is when horror movies really start popping like they hadn't before with such gore the slashers really huge then um do you think there is any sort of commentary on the desensitization of of violence and how he's so obsessed with porn as well this is what made him that sort of thing I mean, I don't think they're trying to say. Uh, I mean, yeah, you could definitely say that. It, you know, you there was a lot of porn. I remember that because internet was you know getting really big then, and yeah, you got online, you were trying to find porn. You know, and porn. Yeah. I remember when I was a kid, when you found porn, it was like, oh wow, wow, porn. <laughs> what? It's like a treasure chest. Like yeah, you had your dad's closet. Pictures. And then the internet, yeah, all of a sudden it was like do 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 do. You would. You know, get lucky if you found a 30-second clip. You'd let it load for 20 minutes. You'd come back and be like, oh, I got porn. Um, and it was, yeah, it just became so easy to get it. And I could, yeah. I mean, after a while, you were like, nah, I saw this. Not a big deal. I saw this. Not a big deal. I don't care about this porn. But, but. Yeah, he got. He has to keep, like, upping his, his game to get that same sort of satisfaction or, or pleasure or whatever the hell because he had just been over overstimulated. Um, do you think it's saying anything specifically about uh, – how men were viewing women at that time? I mean, you could say it. I mean... Because women were starting to pop in the business uh, business arena really much more than they ever had before. Um, you do have working women in this. Yeah, but they, Was it, most of them were just kind of secretaries or people's girlfriends or wives, right? Yeah. Yeah, I don't think it... Lot of... I think it's very critical of the way women were treated in the 80s. And that they were kind of objectified more than anything else, more like trophies than people. Yeah, um, I mean, a lot of prostitutes just, you know, paid to have sex. Yeah. Is there a deeper meaning to Final Destination? Um, I think there's an I unconscious really, one. Uh, yeah, I mean, I you could probably find one, but I didn't. nothing popped out at me. I mean, and this was not anything that anyone making the movie at the time realized, but it's... I mean, it's spooky that this came out pretty right before 9-11, right? Ultimately. Uh, yeah. In 2001. This, well, this was also, I believe this was sort of based off an actual event. 
Oh, really? Yeah, there was a, I, I wrote it down. It was a TWA flight 800 in 1996. Um, it was, I think it was leaving New York. It was leaving Long Island or something. And it crashed in the Atlantic. And, and there's a, an actual French club that was on the, on the plane. Oh, wow. And they thought it was That's a bomb. And then they, I think it's still open. I don't think they ever were 100% confident, but they said it was a mechanical failure. Huh. Uh, well, yeah, I think you actually you're pointing to what a potential meaning could be, and ultimately, that uh, like prophets or those who believe in some sort of spiritual otherness are always going to be chastised by you know the government officials or whatever the, the FBI agents that think he was the reason it blew up or whatever. Um, certainly, just like the separation of church and state sort of feel um, throughout it, and I don't know. Do you do you believe people can have premonitions? Uh, I. Sure. I feel like I have them. I How so? I feel like I'll have a, a moment where I'm like, this has happened before. But then I think just two weeks ago, I had a dream that was very, very, very similar. You know yeah. I mean? But also, like, when you work and you do the same things over and over again, everything right. kind of melts. And so you probably did do the exact same thing two weeks ago, and you forgot about it, and it clicks in kind of thing. Yeah. That, that. But um, I can I totally especially agree with you in terms of the dreams. Actual premonitions. Like... Why not? Sure, well, I believe yeah, it. I mean, I'm, I'm open to it. I'm open to it. Do I believe it like it's manifested in this movie? Maybe not. But I have had weird dreams that I feel like uh, clue, not clued me in, but prefaced something that would happen that next day. Somebody that I would have never been thinking about for years and years and years pops into the dream the night before. I hear from them that next day. That sort of thing has happened. I yeah, mean, it could oh, be that's, coincidence. That's happened a few times. I, I would think about somebody I haven't thought about uh in five years and then two days later we somehow contact each other oh yeah i've had that happen uh, yeah I, I buy into that a little bit um any yeah, personal connections with either of these movies i know you mentioned having read the book of psycho i mean american psycho i has affected me in so many ways i think my writing style came out of brett easton ellis i've read that book so many times i've read mo- i think i've probably read most of his books but um i just remember when i saw this movie it, it blew my mind I loved it. Same. I mean, I love Final Destination too. Uh, when when it came out, it's still a movie I can put on and still be entertained by it and be like, "Oh, this is a great movie." Yes, it moves movie. really rapidly. I mean, in terms of the pacing of each of them, I feel like they're very different. Um, but yeah, I love them both too. But I do think the more profound movie is, is American Psycho. So, what yeah. are we giving deeper meanings, pentagrams wise? Uh, AP American Mike, American Psycho. I want to give a four, of course. But. We couldn't come up with that much deeper meanings. I mean, really it, think it deserves a four. I, I have to give it a four for everything. I want to rate it high just because I think the the main. It's not really even about you know Patrick Bateman being a serial killer. It's just about people getting away with whatever they want to do in the eighties. Yeah, ultimately the the degradation of humanity and people's empathy. Yeah, I'm and, with and, you. And, and it sparked so much thought over people for like for since it's been out about what it actually meant and and yeah. did he really do it did he not do it why was That's he trying true. to put a cat into it it's been i mean there's a lot of talks on this one about how it ended and what it means more than yeah let's talk about movies. that little kitty bit when we get to the fright factor here um but before we do that final destination what are we giving it in terms of deeper meaning because uh, i'm on board with you in the american cycle we'll give it a four uh deeper meanings for final dust <sighs> Two five. I mean, two five. I'll be okay with two five. Uh, okay, fright factor. So talk about that kitty moment. What the hell is he doing trying to put a kitty into an ATM slot? 
yeah, just uh, yeah, I think that again, that was just one of those moments where I think most of the stuff that he did do, he uh, he did kill people. I think he exaggerated a lot of it, and mm-hmm. so I think at some point he does kind of snap and he sees it. Just feed me a cat. He saw a cat and just kind of tries to push it in. I think it was just him just acting out. He's just he's done it. You know, he that just moment cracked it. Really, point. yeah. I was gonna say something really gross. I'm not gonna say it anymore. Yeah, I'm gonna say it anyway. You know when like you're having you're having an orgasm, and right before you finish, your mind just goes to the craziest places, and you're like, ah. Yeah, I know. That was just his moment. That was his moment in his life where he was just everything. I need it all. Everything and all. I think that's a good way to put it. Um, What was the scariest scene for you? I I never thought any of it was scary. Maybe the scene where he kills Paul Allen in his. It, it, I mean, it's kind of like the, the, the scene everyone thinks about. He puts on. But I Lewis hate Paul Allen, though. I didn't care that he died. Dancing. I don't care just that scene because he's so up yeah. and he's just putting on the on the, the rain jacket like it's nothing. And he actually put down newspaper like he's just going to slaughter a chicken. You know what I mean? And just <laughs> True. dances, gets yeah, his axe. Hey, Paul! And just boom. <laughs> it was, oh, man. And that's yeah. the closest thing for me to be. Well, I think I maybe I might have been more nervous, not scared, when he had brought uh, uh, Chloe's character. The nail back. gun to the back of the head. Yeah, just you waiting to see. And he's pulling up all the different weapons. And there's actually, you know, he uses a nail gun for a, a ridiculous reason in the book. Um, so that's kind of a, a you know, a fucking shout out to that. Oh, but what does he do in the door. book with it? Uh, I don't. He did so much stuff in that book. I can't really yeah. remember it. I think this one he he might have shot into someone's vagina. I'm not sure. Oh I don't goodness. remember. He, he did something with it that was ridiculous. There's so many okay. things. Yeah, so we have an homage to the book there. A little yeah. call out. Something they couldn't actually go that far with probably in the movie without getting an NC-17. Oh, they cut out so many things. So many Is there things. an unrated version of this? There is, but there's really no difference. There's no difference. That's a not really. I think it's, it might be a word or two or something a little bit. Like I have it, and I haven't noticed a difference between that mm. and and the, and the regular one. But I don't know. Were you not scared at all when he kills like his good friend from college? That girl, pretty much our only like fleshed out girl beyond Chloe Sevigny, is his old college friend that he brings over and has her kiss the 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 uh, prostitute that he brings over for that first time, right? Or actually, that's a, is that the second time? Because she catches him then gutting her underneath the sheets. That got me. I don't know. That, that, yeah, that was kind of... Again, it didn't scare me. It was, yeah, maybe maybe haunting, but I didn't really care about the, about that character either. What about the, the bodies in the closet hanging like they were clothes? Um, that was a little creepy. Yeah, little I mean, I, I, was, I was scared just because I feel like this is somebody that is more likely to exist than an ominous grim reaper that actually does have like a list of people in proper order. That's my biggest beef with final destination is like just the numeric part of it. You got to die in a certain order. It's like, y'all got to die. So what's the difference of who dies in what order and what seat you were sitting on in the plane sort of thing. I feel like that's kind of where it loses me more than any other place. Um, Did anything scare you in, in final dust? Yeah. The again, the opening scene where the plane just explodes was a definitely you're like, oh damn, uh, was was a was a, a good scene uh, for that. When yeah. uh, Sean William Scott gets his head cut off, that was kind yes. of traumatizing. I've never yeah. seen a head get cut off in the way it did because normally right. it's like in a horror movie you cut it at the neck, but this one was 
down the jaw. Kind yeah, of like right a, at his chin line. Yeah. Yeah, that was pretty cool. Um, but yeah, I mean, the moment where the teacher dies, I didn't find was super scary because, again, that was too mouse trappy. There was too many things that had to happen. Plus, um, her acting in that scene was kind of bad. Right. She wasn't. She was one of the strongest players. And um, some of the stuff I, she I did. I like the really bus was a great uh, a jump scare. Yeah, that, that, that one has been done. Was that, that the first one to kind of do that, that, step into the street, get hit by a bus things? Because that happens so much in movies. It does happen a lot. I, for some reason, though, this one affects me more than other ones. I don't know why. I think it's because yeah, she's like I think like this might have been the first talking. one. This is the first one that I remember being being like that. I remember being like, whoa, damn. Yeah. Um, okay, let's uh, let's go ahead and score these puppies in terms of Fright Factor. What are we giving AP? Because you said didn't scare you, so you can't give this puppy a four. Uh, damn it. I should have said it scared me more. <laughs> Just such a good film. Fine. Three. three. Uh, I think I think it's probably three, too. Like you said, it's, it's scary in a different way, and it, and it takes away at least one pentagram for me if it all didn't happen. I know you think it definitely did, but there is the outside chance that it didn't. Still going to win. Um, I don't give a fuck. Yeah, uh, yeah, for sure. But let's just <laughs> let's finish it off. Fright factor for Final Destination. <sighs> I'd give it the same three. Yeah, three for sure. Yeah. But uh, as a whole, the bell has rung. American Psycho is the most iconic mainstream horror film of the year two thousand, which I think is I super a, appropriate. I do have some notes though. Oh yeah. I'm gonna riddle off real quick about. Final Destination, which I didn't notice until I kind of looked it up today. Oh, okay, um, hit me. A lot of their names in the movie are throwbacks yeah. to other horror movies. Um, like, oh yeah, show, tell me which ones. Uh, let's see, we got uh, one guy's Wagner, Todd Wagner. Wagner, I think, was the director of Wolfman. Uh, oh, okay, came cool. Out in the thirties or whenever they came out. Um, Browning uh, directed the first vampire movie. I believe it was Nosferatu. Shrek. Oh. There's a name Shrek in here, I think, somewhere. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. He's um, the agent. Yeah, he played. Uh, uh, he was the actor who played Nosferatu. His name was Shrek. Um, oh, of course, you got Billy. Ma- yeah, Max Shrek. Is that right? Or is, no, that's from uh, Batman Returns. Shrek, something Shrek, Nosferatu. I don't know. All right, I could have been wrong. Oh, I hope not. Billy Hitchcock. Yeah, Billy Hitchcock. Oh, that's kind of cool. That actually that ups the stakes. And you got some also other... this uh, Harry Chaney. Chaney was also, I think, the actor who played Wolfman. I could be wrong, but I think he oh, was nice. also Wolfman. Pick on the, yeah, the Barbara Browning, all the Brownings, they did something. Oh, the Brownings, hopefully that's like a callback to um, like the director, romantic right? poets no, that did really morose um, poems about like scary shit back in the day. Could be them. Mm-hmm. Um, well, there interesting. You go. That's, that's good, good little extra tidbit. That's a little bonus information for y'all. Ooh. But uh, I do want to thank uh, Scott for being a gracious co-host as per usual. Um, tell people how do they follow you on social media? Uh, Instagram at stupid consumer. That's about it. And that's oh it. yeah. You care Twitter. more about that than your Twitter? Yeah, we'll do Twitter. Is <laughs> it BM bucket or the BM bucket? I don't even know what it is. It's a picture I think it's of a the guy. BM bucket. Yeah, the um, BM and bucket. of course you can follow him on MySpace in uh, Friendster. Oh yeah. And <laughs> if you want to support the podcast, please. Um, go to my uh, hub page, my media hub page, parasociable.com. That's P-A-R-A-S-O-C-I-A-B-L-E.com. There you can find links to other podcasts that I've created as well as horror shorts that have been made and all sorts of other jazz. And, of course, um, if you do find that interesting, 
go ahead and uh, head over to companydreamer.com and check out uh, the dream recording industry that has been fleshed out there and then has an offering of the novel Company Dreamer, which would also be a, a way to support the podcast. But again, I want to thank you, Scott. Any any final words? Yeah, they played a lot of John Denver. In oh, good call. Yeah, he died in a crash three years he before. He died in the plane crash. I yeah. remember specifically the moment where the teacher dies. Uh, they're playing some John Denver. Um, yeah. But yeah, that's another little bonus tidbit, people. But um, as it stands, the, we have a winner in American Psycho. And until the next time, as they say in the business, the bell has rung.